Hey everybody, this is Father John Ricardo with Acts 29, and in the middle of all the craziness and the uncertainty that's going on right now, it seems from our perspective as a team that it's worth using these days to reflect in a more deliberate way on the scriptures every day, which for many of us now is the only spiritual food that we're receiving. And so we're going to do a special podcast series simply entitled, Be Not Afraid, God's Word in Uncertain Times. And we'll try to post something every day, usually reflecting on the scriptures so that we can listen in on what God is trying to say to us in these days. There was only one time in my years in seminary preparing for ordination to the priesthood that I almost left. And I found myself thinking of that one time earlier this morning as I was praying with the gospel. So the gospel for the day, for the feast of St. Matthias that we celebrate today, the successor to Judas and the uh, College of the Apostles, is John chapter 15, verses 9 to 17. And it's interesting to me, significant to me, that if today was not the Feast of Matthias and we were just celebrating the uh, Thursday of the fifth week of Easter, it would still be that same gospel, just a truncated version. It would only be John 15, verses 9 to 11 which I think is an important thing to call to mind. It's as if the Lord's saying to us, the church is saying to us, this gospel has got to be understood. So let me tell you what strikes me in the gospel, and then I'll tell you why I almost left the priesthood, or the seminary, I should say, and then what it is that God might be saying to us today. So the gospel says this. Jesus says to his disciples, As the Father loves me, so I also love you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. This is my commandment. Love one another as I love you. Now that's the shorter version. That's what we would have had for the Thursday of Easter. Keeps going on in the Feast of Matthias, where Jesus says, no one has greater love than this than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, it was not you who chose me, but I who chose you and appointed you to to go and to bear fruit so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you this I command you, love one another. Now, I don't know about you, but it strikes me as a jarring juxtaposition to see the words command and love right next to each other. That makes it abundantly clear that love can't have anything to do with feelings, or at least it can't be reduced to feelings. Love's something much different. It involves feelings sometimes, but it's much bigger than that. I think sometimes we have this image of, you know, Jesus sitting around with the people who, they were the good guys, and he's telling them, hey, like, you know, pass on the love that I'm sharing with you, with those that, you know, you can more or less get along with. But there were no good guys, right? St. Paul reminds us in the letter to the Romans that at the, when we were yet helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Who are the ungodly? You and me. Christ proves his love for us in that we, when we were his enemies, he loved us. This, this is love. Huh? This is God's 
love. God comes into a world of rebels. That's who we are. That's how C.S. Lewis used to describe us. And he comes to win us back. He comes to deliver us from the tyranny of sin and death. He comes to, um, to bind the strong man so that you and I can go free. But we were his enemies. We were rebellious against him. And he proves his love by laying down his, love for us, his life for us. And then he calls us to follow him. So we often have, you know, this rather hallmarky, sappy, gooey understanding of love. And we can easily project that onto Jesus, but Jesus' love is not like that. When I think of the command to love that Jesus is offering here, I, I think of, uh, or is issuing here, I think of St. Stephen praying for those who are stoning him to death and how it won Saul, who becomes the apostle to the Gentiles. I think of Cory ten Boom, the... Uh, extraordinarily heroic woman in World War II who uh, used to hide Jews and then was herself captured, apprehended, put in a concentration camp and went on to forgive after she was released several of the guards, including one who was particularly cruel to her sister. I think of a guy named Father Sixtus O'Connor, might want to look him up online, who did incredibly heroic work after World War II. He was a chaplain in Patton's army and then was a minister to uh, some of the most notorious war criminals in Nuremberg. That's, that's living out the command to love. There's nothing sappy or sentimental about that. To love somebody, as many of us probably know, is just to will, it's not just, it's to will the good of the other. Huh? Yesterday I mentioned that the fruit Jesus is looking for from us, especially as we anticipate going back to communion, is love. And one of the ways we might want to consider how well we're doing that is just to look at our speech. To make sure that our speech looks different from the world's, especially as we're prepared to enter the uh, public celebration of Masses again. What difference will it make in our lives? Will people notice that we're feeding on Jesus again by the way we talk? I pray so. But today I'm thinking even more foundational than speech is our will, what we want for others. The country that we're living in right now is unimaginably divided. The, the polemic is apparently at an all-time high. We seem to just be at each other's throats, at least in how we talk about each other, and sometimes much worse than that. And this is often true for Christians, too. This isn't to say that we don't have serious disagreements with people over how we should run the country or uh, political decisions or whatnot. By all means, we do. But, but there's a way to disagree with people where we, we don't hate. We don't look like the world. We look like disciples of Jesus. We sound like disciples of Jesus. And more fundamentally today, we think like disciples of Jesus. So if if to love somebody is to will their good, maybe today we can simply reflect on this question. For those that I struggle with, whether it could be in my family, could be at my workplace, could be in the country, could be in politics, could be anybody, huh? What is my will for them? Do I really want the good for them? Does my mind and my desire look like Jesus' mind and desire 
as he becomes flesh and enters into our world so as to rescue us and to win us to the Father and to gather us all back together again. Is that what I want? That's what brings me back to that moment in the seminary when I almost left. I remember walking into uh, my spiritual director's office. He's a great priest who's passed away now. And I said, you know, his name was Father David. I said, David, I think I'm going to leave. And he said, why in the world are you going to leave? And I said, I don't think I can love the way a priest is supposed to love. And he looked at me and he started to laugh. And he said, are you just realizing that right now? And I said, yeah. And he says, oh, good grief, John. Of course you can't. If, if you think you have it within you to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, including your enemy, if you don't think you need God's grace for that, well, then you should leave. But if you recognize that and you beg for his grace and you understand that each day you have to ask him, Lord, help me, give me what I need to love the way you command me to love, well, then you can stay. Maybe that's the lesson for us today. Let's recognize our utter poverty. You and I do not have what it takes on our own to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself, meaning to will the good for them, all of them, even and especially those we don't like. But we're not on our own. The Spirit of the living God lives in us. The power of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. And he can conform my will. He wants to conform my will evermore to the will of Jesus. May that happen in my life today and in yours. Do not be afraid. God is with you. And you were born for this. 